Hey, soccer fans, this is Nick from Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. There is a cool chill in the air. Fall is on its way, but my favorite season is playoff season. I do love it, and we are almost there. This week on our MLS recap, we are going to look at the results from the last week, Tuesday, September 22nd, through yesterday, October 2nd. Uh, September 27th through October 2nd. And we're going to see how that shook up the playoff picture. We're going to recap the scores, talk about some highlights, maybe a little news when we got it. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to review the standings, review the table, see some potential playoff matchups, and then get a little history and trivia of all things MLS Cup playoffs. If we've got any stoppage time in the show, we'll be taking your questions and your comments live here on our YouTube chat each and every week. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get that intro music flowing and get us in the mood to talk some MLS and Major League Soccer. Hey, soccer fans, welcome back once again to another episode of Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. This is our MLS Weekly Recap Show. It is Monday, October 3rd, while we are recording this, and we're looking back at everything from September 27th, last Tuesday, feels like a month ago, to yesterday, October 2nd. We thank you all for joining us as we do every week here at SOP. Want to take care of a few housekeeping matters before we dive into the heart of all things Major League Soccer. If you want to support the show, if you want to help us out, the easiest thing you can do, so easy, even my kids could do it. And if I let them on YouTube, I probably would let them do it. But you can like the video, subscribe to the channel, click on an ad. If you're watching this after the live is over, let the ads run. It puts a few pennies in our pocket, doesn't do anything for you guys. So easy way to help us. If you want to take your support to the next level, then you can also subscribe to the channel as a paid subscriber with a monthly donation, or you can send us a super chat or a super thanks, a one-time donation here on YouTube. And if you really love what we're doing, if you really want to support the growth and the conversation of soccer here in America, and you want to become a sponsor of the show, whether it be on our YouTube channel, on our podcast, or on the upcoming website and blog, uh, feel free to reach out to us at SOP Soccer on Twitter or via email at sonsofapitchsoccer at gmail.com. And even if you don't want to sponsor us, reach out, talk to us, keep the conversation growing because we have had some great support from some great people over the last five years or so that we've been doing this. And we want to shout out to one of our, our best and biggest fans and a guy who's become just a friend of Mike and I as well. We want to give a big thanks to Ramon Poblano. Not only has he been sending us super chats on occasion, not only has he been emailing and chatting and giving us LAFC updates, his club, he actually has been talking it up to his supporters group that he is a part of, Los Cuervos. Here they are at Providence Park for that LAFC Portland game. Ramon, uh, to you and all of your supporters out there, thank you for following along, joining the show. It's been great to have you listening and tuning in with us. 
for everyone out there who's a part of Los Cuervos, who for everyone else listening is a part of the greater LAFC supporter section, uh, the 3252, which gets its name from the number of supporters in that group, in that section. Uh, we want to thank all of them for supporting us, uh, for supporting soccer, for MLS and for everything else uh, that's out there. And we've even got him checking in right now. Ramon Poblano says, hey to his SOP familia. Ramon, always great to have you, man. Thank you. And thank you for sharing this picture of you and your friends and your supporters out there. Caw, caw, away days, Los Cuervos. Love to see it. Um, this is the the non-cultured person in me. I heard Los Cuervos and I'm like, oh, are they, are they, drink, are they drinking beers out there? Is that what that is? Um, probably, I would guess. Uh, but great to see Ramon. Thanks for the picture. For those of you listening uh, on the podcast, You've got Ramon and, and a number of his closest friends, it looks there, with their away days TIFO uh, of the Crow uh, on the front, sporting the LAFC look outside of Providence Park, going into enemy territory and repping the black and gold. Ramon, that is great. Shout out to you. Shout out to everyone in your group and shout out to the 3252. And I'm sure you're loving LAFC clinching that supporter shield, though they've got plenty of more work to do this season. So let's get into some of the comments. We've already got a lot of people jumping in on our chat here. Dan Geringer says, what's up, Dan? Great to have you with us, man. He says, go LAFC. That's his kid's team. Dan, I, I'm, I love that your kids are getting into these affiliated things. It's one thing I wish I had as a kid playing soccer. And one thing I hope uh, that my kids, if they're good enough, can get in with some of these Chicago Fire Academy and affiliated teams around here. That'd be fantastic. Just shows you the growth of the sport and the pull and the recruiting that it has nowadays. Connor knows soccer. What is up, Connor? Things are going pretty good for your crew right now. A couple more games to take care of business, man. We're going to get into all of that in a little bit. Who else we got jumping in? Talk NYCFC. Sup, guys? No time. See, yes. Talk NYCFC. Glad to have you with us. Meanwhile, Dan says, just finished with work. Turned my chair about 36 degrees to the left. And here you are. Dan, that's that's perfect. Sounds like you've got a nice little home office setup going on there for you. Oh, and I, I love the banter in the chat already. I haven't even given you guys a score yet. And you guys are rolling in the chat. Ramon says, come over to the dark side. Come to the LAFC side. I love it. And, of course, jumping in, Hani Mukhtar's edits with his comment, Gary out. Well, Nashville are in. They made the playoffs, so it's not the best time to fire a coach when they make the playoffs. But I can I know we've talked about your frustration and many other fans' frustration with Gary Smith down in there in Nashville. But we're going to get into all the scores here now, guys, as we look at all of the action from last week. It started with a little international action as we take a look at the screen here, uh, where we still had some World Cup friendlies being played. Uh, Canada falls 2-0 to Uruguay in their final official prep game before the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, Saudi Arabia and the United States played to a 0-0 draw. And I want to point out, last week, before the Saudi Arabia game, fresh off their 2-0 loss to Japan, I was saying in here, it's fine, U.S. fans, don't worry about it. Like, Berhalter's not changing his system because he wants to see things, how they play out in these live game situations. Don't worry about it. But then the U.S. comes out and falls flat again to Saudi Arabia. And I'm thinking, this was the game we were supposed to put it together. You don't want to wait until your first live World Cup game, your first group stage game, to say, okay, now it's going to work. 
it should have been working against Saudi Arabia. And now I am officially worried. I don't know what's going to happen in this World Cup. Uh, if they can't make it out of the group stage, then I will be 100% on the fire Burhalter bandwagon, right? Uh, but they have to they have to come up with something. I really think Greg is going to be a much better coach, both formation and tactically uh, during the World Cup than he has been. People are saying he's keeping things close to the chest. He didn't want to give away a lot of his tweaks and wrinkles uh, in these prep games, but I think that's generous because it wasn't even like the U.S. played a competent vanilla-style game like we see NFL teams do in the preseason. Uh, so I'm officially worried. I'm officially worried about the USMNT. But then on the flip side, if Burhalter gets out of the group, wins one or two knockout games with the U.S., because who knows what could happen, and then he's re-upped through the next World Cup cycle, how much improvement are we going to make? I can see it being great improvement because it's four more years in the system that everyone's learning. These young players are maturing. But then it could be four more years of why isn't it clicking? So I'm very worried about the state of USMNT soccer, but I'm going to go in just full-blown like meathead US soccer fan as soon as that World Cup kicks off. So there's my take on it. Let's see what you guys are saying. We've got Brother BKL in the chat. Salutations. Uh, Hani Mukhtar edits. He doesn't mess around. Says Greg out. Talk NYCFC says the good thing is that Greg will be gone after the World Cup. Ramon saying, that's what everyone is talking. I think they probably play the backups for the next game. Why risk someone getting hurt? I'll be at that game to see the team get presented the shield. Oh, you're talking about your LAFC game? Yeah, I, I they probably will be rotating their squad heavily against Nashville. Uh, then again, I could see them playing their starting lineup because they got that first round by. So we'll see how Chirundolo runs that squad out. But good thoughts, Ramon, on that one. Hani Mukhtar's edits. Aaron Long is trash brother bkl says world cup is on the road uh that's why i literally said you need to change and bring players in who we trust besides world cup is on the road if not he's out so a lot of criticism and deservedly so for greg i don't think we need to be here saying he's the worst this and that but like we tried something different as a federation and you know what it it may or may not work it, it, you know the everything built up to the world cup so yes i'm officially worried but I'm not like sky is falling, burn it to the ground, reset, because the whole point of everything Burhalter is doing was for the World Cup. If he flames out, we reset once again with an eye on 2026. If he plays well, we will reassess. Jay Jardim also jumps into the chat. Jason, great to have you with us, my friend. I uh, hope you've been enjoying the matches with your with your Reds, with TFC officially eliminated. Uh, hopefully they've given you something to uh, to cheer for and be, be proud about going into the offseason. But uh, we'll, we'll talk at those results. Anyway, getting into the MLS results, we're, we're 11 minutes in and, man, the U.S. conversation can just keep going. If you guys want to keep it going in the chat, feel free. Dan, thank you for, for letting us know off to dinner. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening on your phone, man. Now, looking at the MLS results from September 27th, we've got Seattle hosting Cincinnati, drawing 1-1. Good for Seattle. They wanted the three points. They needed a result to keep their playoff hopes alive. Meanwhile, Cincinnati in that game was trying to get those three points to solidify a playoff spot. They haven't clinched one even after their next game. Uh, so this was a really big result in a couple of ways for these teams. 
We're going to talk about them later on in this conversation as well. Now we go into September 30th, Friday night game, Toronto hosting Miami. This one could have had promise of, you know, hitting the over lots of goals, or it could have been a slugfest. Well, it turns out Miami pulls off the one nothing upset uh, at Toronto. I don't know if upset's the right word, I guess, just because they're road, they're the road team. I'll use that. Uh, but Miami gets the one nothing win and continues their great run of form. And I'm going to mention that in the second half of the show. Some of these trends we've seen with teams who are playing themselves in and teams who are unfortunately playing themselves out. Now, over on October 1st, Sunday, the big day for the matchups, right? New England surprisingly gets 2-1 victory over Atlanta, eliminating Atlanta from the playoffs, despite Atlanta making some noise late on in the season. Colorado defeats Dallas 1-0. Uh, Colorado is now eliminated, but at least going out with a little bit of pride. Dallas still scratching their heads. They're, they're either scoring three or four goals or none at all. Uh, Charlotte with the biggest upset of the weekend and maybe one of the most impactful games from storylines, Charlotte technically still in the playoff mix. They would need a lot to go their way over these next couple of games uh, that the Eastern conference teams are playing, but they get the four, nothing victory at home. Daniel Rios with all four goals, three from the run of play. He gets the hat trick goal from the spot, uh, but that's phenomenal for anyone to score Four goals in a game, that's definitely a little bit of Charlotte history here. And especially if they make the playoffs. If by some small miracle they make the playoffs, that would have been, uh, this will be a game they can look to. Philly, meanwhile, Jim Curtin said, we just didn't play our best, right? Well, that's obvious. Uh, but they also lose the supporter shield because of this result combined with LAFC's results. So big impact in that sense. I don't think I'm worried about the union. I think maybe... If you, if you buy into this kind of philosophy, maybe this is good because it's a wake-up call that they need, that they can't have a down match. Otherwise, they're going to get bounced out of the playoffs here, right? Then here's another big result as far as the playoffs go. Cincinnati hosts eliminated Chicago Fire, and Chicago comes out and get, goes up on them 3-0. Now, to Cincy's credit, they battle back and, and get two more, but that's not going to get you into the playoffs. Losing at home to Chicago will not get you into the playoffs. So we will see what happens. Uh, but Chicago, you're going to hear a little bit more about it at our halftime break. If you're listening to the podcast uh, from our friend and longtime supporter, John Donovan, he's going to give you his Chicago fire take. But my personal take here, John Duran and Brian Gutierrez are two guys you can build the team around Chicago fire. So let's keep that homegrown in Gutierrez and keep that great youth international signing in Duran on the roster for three, four, five more years and see if we can actually get relevant with them again. Gutierrez did get an extension. Uh, Columbus with a 2-1 victory at home against the Red Bulls. Now this one was a match. It's what you'd expect between these two teams, right? With their two styles of play, low scoring game. And then all of a sudden Derek Etienne gets to play hero I, I love this guy. I love Etienne. And I'm going to tell you a short story about him in a second. But he gets a goal in the 89th minute and I think in the 94th minute. Anyway, two goals after 89 minutes to give Columbus a much-needed victory and a little injection into the arm for their playoff push. And I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Derek Etienne because he has proven himself to be not just a competent MLS player, but a very, very good 
MLS player. And I remember when he was playing with Red Bulls, and to his credit, he didn't get all celebratory on these two goals against his former team. I remember when he got cut from Red Bulls, everyone that I could find on Twitter, so yeah, Twitter, take that into consideration, that they're saying he's done, he's a washout, if he can't play with Red Bull, he's gone, whatever. And I remember coming on a show, and I remember arguing with people on Twitter about this, that no, he's an MLS vet, if anything. He came up in a good system. He's going to find a team. No sooner had I said that, that he's signed with Columbus, and now he's become a very important part of that team. And I'm I'm very happy for him, and I'm very happy for the crew to get three points. Now, before we go into the second half of the schedule, we got a lot of great talk going on in the chat here, and I'll encourage everyone out there listening to make sure you subscribe and turn on the notifications to this YouTube channel. Uh, Jay Jardim says, TFC should have had three goals in the first half. Second half, not so much. I just wonder if those offensive players start giving up a little bit. Uh, if, they're, if they're having a losing mentality, if they're kind of losing the motivation at this point in the season, especially when they had when when all these new summer transfers came in with such bravado and, and high expectations to fall flat like they have. Bob Bradley's rebuilding is going to be a lot longer than we thought it would be. Even if it is just one more season, still a lot longer than people thought. Ramon Poblano says Seattle run of 13 years making the playoffs is over. Yep, Seattle had the longest streak for consecutive playoffs made in MLS history, and they've made it every year. They've only been in the league 13 seasons. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about playoff trivia in the second half, so stay tuned to that. I love this comment from Talk NYCFC. Philly need to be humble. Now we have a preview of how they're going to crap the bed in the playoffs. That's fantastic. <laughs> Mukhtar's edits, giving us the opinion of every Nationals fan out there. Uh, Daniel Rios, who scored you know the four goals for Charlotte, uh, he says, we sold Rios for freaking Zubac. He was everyone's favorite player, and then our stupid GM sold him. Uh, so not any love lost for ownership and management over there in Nashville. Um, but it's it's great to see that Rios is doing well. And, um, hey, maybe that's good good for Nashville if you want to say we're we, we get young talent, we can sell it on. If you want to start getting into that sell mode, uh, maybe I'm really just doing my best to, to – find a silver lining for you there, Nashville fans. Um, but that is, uh, that is very true. Rios was very promising and uh, Nashville has not been able to find a, a solid striker like that uh, in the last season or so. Uh, Hani Mukhtar's edits continues to say Aaron Long can't even defend against Columbus. And uh, he emphasizes the letter L in Columbus there. Uh, I wonder if that was just a slip of the shift bar or if you, you're purposely emphasizing that. But I'll let you and Connor know soccer duke that one out. Um, that's fantastic. Great comments in the chat, guys. Let's get right back to our schedule. We had Montreal hosting D.C. United. And Montreal squeaks by with the one nothing victory on an own goal in that one. This buys into kind of my thought process that Montreal is is not a true cup contender. And even though they have the third best record, they've got what, maybe like a four or 5% chance, according to some odds websites to win the MLS cup. I don't see them as a serious trophy contender because they have games like this. They have been getting results and they have gotten a lot of wins. They have very good players, but as a team, I just don't see them having that it factor if you want to call it that about trophy that trophy winning teams do that teams who are going to come out and dominate in the playoffs have 
especially when you have DC traveling out to Montreal and they're unable to score their own goal from open play. That gives me cause for concern. For those of you who've watched Montreal a lot more than I have this season, what do you think about it? Let us know in the comments. Let us know if you're live here in the chat or tweet at us at SOP Soccer, right? Let us know what you think about Montreal. They could really be the wild card in this playoff race, in the playoff picture, because if they do have this early collapse, then we're looking at a lower-seeded team who can make a run up the table. Anyway, continuing on with the results, we're now moving into the Western Conference portion of Saturday's games, where San Jose defeats Minnesota United 2-0 in San Jose. And I'm like, what? How is San Jose? Like, if you look at their run of form throughout the entire season, their last five games, I think, is like their best five-game stretch since, like, May. I want to feel like, and this is all after they've been eliminated from the playoffs, right? What's going on in San Jose? Uh, Minnesota, meanwhile, same thing. What's going on in Minnesota? Not for not for good. Uh, so I, I don't know if Minnesota is even going to make the playoffs, despite in the midst of uh, the second half of the season, rattling off seven wins out of 10 and putting themselves into third place in the Western Conference. Minnesota was in third place, and now they are in danger of not making the playoffs. So you want to talk about a roller coaster season? Go talk to a Loons fan. We'll get into where they stand and what's next for them. Vancouver also keeps their slim playoff chances alive with a 2-0 victory over Austin FC. Everything after this international window has just thrown MLS topsy-turvy, right? Let's let's do a quick, quick review here, right? Uh, Cincy and Seattle draw. Atlanta falls to New England. Dallas falls to Colorado. Philly falls to Charlotte. Cincinnati falls to Chicago. Minnesota falls to San Jose. Austin falls to Vancouver. And then if you want to look at Sunday... Kansas City defeats Seattle, which may be not as wild as a result as the others, one which I predicted in our Picks and Predictions show every Wednesday night that gets released. So again, make sure you like and subscribe uh, to the channel here. It's wild what has gone on, and I don't know if it's been squad rotations. I mean, the MLS rosters are enough to keep up on in the offseason, let alone during the regular season when people are coming up and down, uh, especially this time of year. But something was out in the MLS water this weekend, and those teams who who may have clinched just kind of folded it in, it looked like, and those teams who needed wins also folded it in. Anyway, LA Galaxy round out the Saturday night matchups with a 1-1 draw to Salt Lake. This was one I also called. I thought the Galaxy, I, there was a little piece of me that was like, the Galaxy are going to win or it's going to be a ridiculous draw. And, and here it was. It was a ridiculous 1-1 draw to a struggling Salt Lake team. New York City opened up the Sunday matches with a 2-1 victory over Orlando. Orlando now, a team that was also once, I want to say, in fourth place in the East, who's been very comfortably sitting in the fifth place spot, may not make the playoffs, depending on these last couple of games in the Eastern Conference. Portland hosts and falls to LAFC, their shield-clinching game. Kansas City hosts and defeats Seattle 1-0. Kansas City, excellent run of form since being eliminated from the playoffs. And finally, Nashville falls 2-1 at home to the Houston Dynamo, who have put together some shocking results. Uh, I think Houston, did the Houston beat LAFC twice? I know they beat them at least once. And and then to come and do it against Nashville, who's fighting for playoff seeding, not the best look uh, for Nashville and a great way to kind of close out part of the season for Houston. So let's take a look at some of the comments here. 
Red Bull Insider says, yeah, I went to the bathroom and Red Bull conceded too. We don't care anymore. There you go. Uh, Red Bull did get that home game. We'll take a look at the standing. So maybe that'll help them out, even though for some reason Red Bull has been playing a lot better on the road lately. Maybe that's because here, let me, what do you guys think about this theory about why Red Bull plays better on the road? They play a pressing style. Uh, they high energy, energy drink, soccer, high pressing, whatever you want to describe it. Very high energy, force those turnovers, force those 50-50 balls, quick counterattack, right? When they are at home, they play the same. When they're away, they play the same. But their opposing teams switch it up, right? If you go on the road, a lot of teams will try and sit back and absorb pressure. So that plays into the Red Bulls pressing style because they are turning teams over in their own defensive third and it's an easy counterattack. whereas at home uh teams maybe try to come out and play a little bit more open i don't know or maybe i'm getting those mixed up and it's totally fitting for the red bull style i don't know what do you guys think again maybe teams when they travel to red bull arena want to sit back or they want to attack or, or they play a high line is there any tactical generalities that we can make in this conversation Anyway, let me know what you think about all of that. So, yeah, Ramon confirms Austin beat LAFC twice. Uh, Houston is 1-1 one and one against LAFC. So, uh, LAFC not doing well against the best and the worst in the West. Uh, Connor says, crew are making the playoffs. I feel a cup run. Ooh, Connor, if they don't have it, if they don't make the playoffs, I think there's going to be a shakeup in Columbus because of Caleb Porter having a, an MLS Cup winning team and then two seasons in a row not making it despite their additions, there's going to be a lot of explaining to do in that Columbus Crew locker room. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think the crew are in, and I think they are going to, to possibly win a game. Brother BKL says, my mind tells me it's literally must be Saturday, and they're turning it into the opposite. Yep, he's an opposite day Saturday. Absolutely, Brother BKL. And talk NYCFC. Yes, sir. We're getting the home game. I can hear you like singing it and like dancing with your other supporters over there, your other citizens. Like we get in the home game. I can hear it. That's great. And I believe it's it's true. He also says no galaxy choke this year. They were close. They came close. That's for sure. But a few results around them helped that out. And as Red Bull Insider says, Austin have not been good recently. No, they have not been. And that's unfortunate for a team who's been playing so well. Now, let me just take, take a look at a few of my notes here. A few other things that I wanted to comment on. Um, we talked about Montreal, Derek Etienne, Daniel Rios. So go back and re-listen to those sections if, if you want to get involved in that. A couple other bits of news. Gonzalo Higuain of Inter Miami of 17 and a half years of professional soccer at the highest level has announced he is retiring after the season. Uh, I think that is is an interesting choice for him, um, being that he he finally is getting into his MLS, uh, playing like the player we all thought he would be. I think he ended up, he's on what, like 12 or 14 goals or something now? I, I haven't checked that. If anyone knows that, drop it in the chat. Uh, but he, he picked up his play a lot this year, helped rally this team uh, after they started the season very, very poorly uh, with a lot of problems with their roster and, and the the management not following roster roster rules 
excuse me. So he's finally coming around, but you know, he announced his retirement and good for him. He's played a lot of soccer. I almost wonder if he's going to end up taking on some sort of role with inter Miami, uh, or if he's going to kind of go back home and, and hang out in Argentina for a bit, what his next move is going to be. Uh, we saw his brother after playing for Columbus for so many years, getting in with DC and Miami and taking on kind of a, a coaching role a bit too. So I wonder if that's in Gonzalo's future. The one thing I also want to point out is that if Gonzalo Higuain is retiring and stepping away from Inter Miami, I wonder if that means that the rumors about Lionel Messi signing with Inter Miami aren't going to happen. Because if Messi was going to come to Miami, I think Higuain would want to stick around for another season or two if he could. But anyway, I don't want to play into the Messi rumors. A couple other trends that we noticed, right? We were talking about form here towards the end of the season. These are the following teams on three-game win streaks. Montreal, Miami, Vancouver, Charlotte, and Sporting Kansas City all have won three games in a row. They're all sitting on three-game win streaks as we sit here on Monday, October 3rd. Now, three of those, one of those teams is eliminated, and two of them are outside of the playoff line with a slim chance to get in, and the other two are in, in the Eastern Conference. So, again, that just shows you how tight the Eastern Conference is, right? But it's interesting that... Of the teams who who need these wins to get in, those are the only ones who have been playing like it. Meanwhile, you have teams like the Columbus Crew, the LA Galaxy, Orlando, and Red Bulls only have one game in their last four, excuse me, one win in their last four games. Teams like the Crew and Orlando and Galaxy who really need to pick it up have not been. Red Bulls have been playing so well most of the year and accumulating points early on that maybe they don't need to win a lot of these games towards the end. And I applaud them for valuing the first game as much as the last game, but it is a question of form going into the playoffs. And even Red Bull insider here in the chat says, I have no confidence in the postseason. We're going one and done. We're not making a playoff run. I have no belief in the Red Bulls right now. Yowzas. That is tough tough words from a diehard Red Bull fan. But then here we look at other teams who are just bottoming out when they need to score and win games the most. Minnesota and RSL are winless in five, and that's how they've got to this point, right? Winless in five after RSL flying start to the season, after Minnesota having a a seven of 10 winning streak, uh, you know, after the international break in the second half of the season. Now they're win- both teams are winless in five, and their playoff future is in doubt. So with that and with those final comments, everyone, we're going to take our halftime break. So go ahead, pour yourself a drink. Go use the restroom if you'd like. Uh, in the second half, we're going to look at some playoff trivia. We're going to look at the table and potential playoff matchups. So make sure you stick around for that. And if you're listening on the podcast, you're going to hear our update from our friend John Donovan with all things Chicago Fire. So we're going to throw up our sponsor graphic, and we will be back in about 30 seconds, everyone. This MLS Weekly Recap is sponsored by Skira, Icelandic spring water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, yes, pun intended, it's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire Update, brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John. 
Nick, John Donovan here covering the MLS and the Chicago Fire. You know, it's getting down. It's The season's almost over with for the Fire, but I, literally they saved up one of the best games they've played this year for the end, and it really showed a lot about uh, maybe how Ezra graded this team who should have been playing from the beginning. Um, our DP selections, this game showed an awful lot, Nick. To start out with, the game ended with a fight, a literally a beautiful pushing kind of one guy slug somebody headbutt and fight. It's uh, if you're going to watch a game, go to at least watch it until the end of this game because it it really did spark uh, some some really exciting play. But since he had to go into this game and win this game to secure their spot in the playoffs, and they lost. I mean, literally they dominated the play uh, first half. Uh, was the chances on goal were all Cincy. I mean, they Acosta skied one, a couple of guys. Powell had a number of shots coming down the side, and they just couldn't find the goal. Um, they could not find the goal. So, um, you know, it, come the second half is, is where the Chicago, hopefully the future, started to shine. Now, before I say this, Shakiri did not make the trip. Uh, he did play 130 minutes for Switzerland, but he couldn't play one minute for the fire. So he was back in Chicago. I don't know what uh, Joe Monsueto has to say about this this uh, $8.2 million guy that doesn't give a damn about Chicago. But Gutierrez finally, finally played in the position where he should have been playing from the start of the season. It took Ezra one full season to figure out that the combination of Gutierrez and Duran was hell in a jet. These two can really play the game. Um, Duran uh, was set up twice, twice with his uh, very beautiful left-footed uh, shots. I mean, he gets, if he's even with the defenseman or close, you better have another fullback doubling down on him or you've lost You've lost a point. This kid can score. Um both times that he scored this game was uh, it was Gutierrez feeds assists and they were just some beautiful ones, and then to add add uh, put whipped cream on top of the Duran goals Gutierrez scored and he scored a beautiful goal that you know they, they people were kind of wondering whether it was offsides no it was onsides and it was a beautiful goal it it really was guys that played so well in this game I mean. Eh, Mueller did not have one of his best games. I think he something happened to him a couple of games ago when he missed that penalty kick. He has not come back and played well. They had Ivanov on the right side who doesn't belong in this league. You know, the guy looks like a heck of a nice guy, but he does not have the skill to play in this league. He should go back to Serbia or wherever he's from and, and enjoy his life over there. Um, they had Pineda and... and um, Navarro at midfield, and, and Pineda is solid. I mean, three young, really spectacular guys are Duran, Gutierrez, and Pineda. I mean, really solid. And, and then in the back, I I, I am really, uh, I, he's changed my attitude about him as Carlos Terran. You can't beat this guy. If he comes out with a, he didn't get involved in the mob scene at the end of the game, which was very encouraging. He's a huge, rough guy. Um, he stayed out. He did some talking with some players after the scene. So Ezra has done a fairly good job with Carlos Terran. Um, Bornstein started at left fullback. And, you know, I don't know whether they should bring him back. 
he still plays, but you can see that he's 38 years old. I mean, he can't keep up. Um, Sekulik will be back next year. Uh, he played an all right game, but, you know, oddly enough, when he started with the fire, he was really dangerous on his crossing. I used to love to watch his crosses, and he has not been able to get that back, um, that skill back uh, in the season. But the fire went up th three to nothing. And you know what happens when the fire go up in a game. They normally go down in a game. So it was a three nothing game. And suddenly, um, uh, since he scores uh, with a very nice shot, and then since he scores again, and there's, I don't know, four minutes of overtime to play. And all I could think of was, oh, my Lord, they're going to they're either going to tie or blow this game because they you could feel the momentum kind of uh, moving towards Cincy. But uh, lo and behold, Pineda, um, uh, Tehran, they, they all just closed down the, uh, the Cincy squad. So the game ended up three to two, a win for the fire. I think that gives them 38 points on the season. Um, the last game they have is against New England, another team that is not in the running for the playoffs. So, you know, you got to kind of think of what, what Bruce Arena did at the beginning of this season. I mean, he brought in old beat-up players and, and he expected to win. And then he trades or sells off all of his, uh, his good players over to Europe. So I don't know. I, I suspect that he'll be back, but uh, he's got to restock. And, um, you know, I have more to say. I, I think my last podcast will be after the last game. And then I'll just, I, I want to really talk about who the fire should keep, who they shouldn't keep, and hopefully what they need for the following season. Uh, you know, you look at that Cincinnati Stadium, beautiful, sold out, hot fans, ready to rock and roll, and they lose. So, I mean, it's, it's, I, I picked Columbus at the beginning of the season, and I still think, I, I think that's a heck of a squad. And Columbus, if they win Wednesday, they will be in the playoffs, I believe. It's going to be tight. Um, next Sunday is play, is that, uh, that last day, so it's going to be very exciting. So thank you very much, Nick. Um, it was a wonderful game. Mike, hope you're listening in. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for that Chicago Fire update, John. We'll talk to you next week. All right. We are coming back from our halftime break. Thank you all for sticking with us, for going out and grabbing a bottle of Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. Big thanks to John Donovan, who recapped everything Chicago Fire this week. John, I know they're eliminated from the playoff but it's still good to be talking about a win, especially one where we had some young players put up some highlights, Gutierrez, Duran, and, and the like. So great to hear from that. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, go subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Get that Chicago Fire update. John's been giving us great, you know, three, four-minute clips of, of what his takes are on the Chicago Fire. Really great fan perspective. Also someone who used to play professional soccer uh, as well. So you can go get his takes on those things. And we thank everyone on the podcast as well for jumping over on YouTube, hitting like, hitting subscribe, letting a few ads run. And again, if you want to support what we're doing here, throw a super chat our way or a super thanks here via YouTube, even if it's just 99 cents, even if it's just a dollar, let's, it gives us that little warm, fuzzy feeling inside. And I can go back to Mike and say, Mike, we're making money. We're doing it. This is working. <laughs> um, 
but really like the video subscribe to the channel let the ads run click an ad whatever you need to do leave a comment after the live video is over that also increases our visibility in the youtube algorithm so thanks again for all our support and as i said in the top half of the show thank you to ramon poblano for supporting us all the way from los angeles and his group los cuervos part of the 3252 out supporting lafc for their home games and even getting some away games as well so thanks to everyone for checking in with us supporting us in all this time so now let's take a look at the conference standings and some potential playoff matchups as we are only one game away some teams have two games left there's a few games in the eastern conference due to the uh, u.s open cup final run that orlando made uh, that they had some rescheduling going on. Let's take a look at the playoff standings as well as some potential matchups that we got going on here, right? So in the Eastern Conference, you've got Philadelphia on top with 64 points. Montreal can still overtake them depending on these final games. Montreal in second place with 62 points. Then you've got New York City and New York Red Bull rounding out the home playoff side of the, of the bracket here. And then in the fifth, sixth, and seventh spots, which are still technically to be determined, but as it stands right now, you have Cincinnati on 46 points, Orlando and Miami on 45 points. So that is the line right now, 45 points. And the only reason Columbus is outside looking in is because Miami owns the tiebreaker. Because in MLS, first tiebreaker is number of wins. And they have three more wins than Columbus right now. The only good thing for Columbus is they've got the goal differential tiebreaker uh, if it if it comes down to it, but they are three wins less than all the teams around them. The only time they'll get that goal differential is maybe against Cincinnati, depending on Cincinnati's final result. So Columbus just needs to win, and that's it. Charlotte still technically alive. They're in the ninth spot with 41 points, so they've got to win – uh, their last, I think they might have two more games left if they are sitting up. Yep. They've got two more games left as well as Columbus, Miami, and Orlando, and they are going to be playing, uh, this Wednesday, October 5th, I believe. And then decision day, Sunday, October 9th. So these teams, Orlando, Miami, Columbus, and Charlotte are all going to play at least one of their opponents because they've got these 32 games and every other team is sitting on 33. So, Man, who needs promotion and relegation excitement when you've got decision day playoff excitement, right? I love it. Didn't mean to bring up Pro Rail right there. Hey, guys, we got a big news that just came in. Jay Jardim throwing us the super chat here. Jay, thank you so much for supporting us, man. I appreciate it. it. Makes me know that I'm not just talking to brick walls and bots out there. Makes me feel good. So big thank you, Jay, for, for your donation, throwing a few dollars our way. Uh, we appreciate it, man. And I know Mike appreciates it. And not just the soccer talk, but but being able to chat with you uh, off off camera, if you will, having, you know, reaching out, uh, exchanging some messages and just keep in touch about life as much soccer. So, Jay, thank you. And for anyone else out there, feel free to to reach out to Mike and I anytime on Twitter at SOP soccer, the best way to get in touch with us. So Jay, appreciate it, man. 
uh, we're, we'll leave that up there a little bit. And by the way, if anyone wants to talk Toronto or Canadian soccer at all, go find Jason Jardim. Jay, if you want to leave your Twitter handle in the chat, totally up to you, my friend. Uh, go find him or go find some of his comments on, on our Twitter thread. Got a lot of knowledge about TFC, Canadian soccer, and, and soccer in general. So we appreciate all of it, Jay, and the conversation especially. It's been a while. You guys rock. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it, man. So now we can turn our attention to the Western Conference playoff picture. Western Conference, as we know, LAFC locks up the number one overall seed with their supporting shield victory of this last week over Portland. They're sitting on 67 points. Rounding out the top four spots, Austin, Dallas, and LA Galaxy at 55, 50, and 47 points. So the Galaxy could host a home game depending on the final week's results. Bottom half of the playoff bracket right now in the Western Conference, Nashville, 47 points, Portland, 46, Minnesota, 45, still in it. But you've got Salt Lake and Vancouver knocking on the door at 44 points and 43 points, respectively. So there is a lot still to play for with these Western Conference teams. We'll see how it shakes out, but we kind of know the top half of every bracket. So we'll look really in detail and in depth next week at kind of these matchups and our picks and what we think is going to happen. But honestly, I'm I'm very happy personally with the way the bottom half of the West is right now. I would love to see Portland and Minnesota get in the playoffs, uh, especially matching up against Austin and Dallas, because we've seen Austin's kind of poor run of form lately. And we've seen Dallas have highs and lows. And I think Portland and Minnesota would be just the perfect teams to kind of play against that and maybe not have that rep, maybe not have that that flash and maybe not have, you know, all the buildup of, say, an Austin or an L.A. team. But it'd be a great matchup nonetheless. This L.A.-Nashville kind of 4-5-5-4 matchup here is also very intriguing. I would love to see Chicharito and Ricky Push go up against probable MLS MVP Hani Mukhtar. And there's been a lot of great stuff in the chat about uh, Mukhtar for MVP. Uh, obviously, Hani Mukhtar edits says Hani is clear of Driussi, uh, but and I agree with you. But we'll see how Nashville finishes. That could definitely affect voters, you know, that recency bias. Meanwhile, getting back to the Eastern Conference, Watching any of these top teams take on any of these bottom teams in the East is going to be just a huge upset potential. So we will see how that shakes out. It's going to be exciting play. Now let's take a quick look at the schedule. Like I said, guys, because on Wednesday, October 5th, those Eastern Conference middle of the pack teams have one less game so far. So they got to make it up this Wednesday. Charlotte hosts Columbus. Miami hosts Orlando. And then when you look to the Sunday to decision day, Orlando hosts Columbus, Red Bull hosts Charlotte, and Miami hosts Montreal. So Charlotte's definitely got the short end of the stick as far as the final two games go with who they match up with. But we'll see what Columbus does, especially that final decision day matchup on the road in Orlando. It is going to be an exciting finish to the season, and I really can't wait to be able to talk about it with everybody here. This is great. Uh, talk NYCFC says, I'm telling you, Nick, NYCFC could very easily keep this great form up in the playoffs. No doubt about it. They finally clicked. Did the coaching finally come together? Did the locker room come together or did they just need that Campiones cup victory against Atlas to kind of just reset, figure out what works for them. And then, you know, full steam ahead. So great for New York. As we were saying, they 
at the moment have a first round matchup uh, against Orlando City, but we'll see because that is definitely going to change. And oh my gosh, guys, Jay in the chat with another super chat. He says one more for some TFC luck for next year. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, Jay, I, hey man, this is like the wishing well, right? This is the online wishing well, throwing a little bit of a super chat here, right? We're going to keep the good mojo going. Mike is going to be doing a lot of TFC stuff, uh, hopefully in the off season, but definitely in the preseason. So we'll get the good, good mojo flowing. Uh, and he's definitely planning on getting to another TFC game live at some point in the next season. So that'll be a lot of fun for us, but yeah, you know, with, uh, with the players they've got, Bradley gets a full year in to kind of put his stamp on things and a clean slate next year in the East. If Philly sells off their players, if Montreal sells off their players, if if New York, if either New York has a little bit of a slip, then man, TFC will be right there, ready to jump back into a playoff spot, top four in the East. It's going to happen, Jay. I'm going to talk it into existence for you and all the Super Chats. Thank you my friend. Thank you, my brother in soccer. I appreciate that. Now, uh, talking YFCFC also says Nick Cushing may have saved his job. I mean, if he falls flat and they look terrible in the playoffs, I'd say he's still a bit on the hot seat. But yeah, absolutely. The fact that they clinched uh, a playoff spot and a home playoff game is huge considering they were in a lot of flux. Maybe the, the organization was fine with it all along with him kind of tweaking his style and tweaking the lineups, knowing that they could get back to it but we will see uh, how things go in the playoffs and, and what the decision is at the end of the season. Now, we wanted to talk a little playoff trivia. Wanted to give you guys some cool things to say around the water cooler or in your Zoom conferences or when you're you know jumping up, cheering at the games, meeting fans out at the bars. So here's some MLS playoff trivia for you. Now, we're going to start talking about the format. Now, when the league started, there were... 10 teams, and I think eight made the playoffs, right? Yes, 10 teams, eight made the playoffs. You had 80% of the teams making the playoffs, top four from the East, top four from the West, and then they went into a bracket. But in 2001, they changed it up a bit. And from 2001 through 2011, in some form or other, there was a wild card playoff kind of format where you had the top three or four teams from each conference getting into the playoffs. And then the rest of the bracket was filled out by teams with the most points. So you could have, in one instance, three teams from the East and like five teams from the West making the playoffs or some unbalanced number because it was just based on points, right? In fact, I remember Chicago in Bridgeview hosting Real Salt Lake in an Eastern Conference playoff game. I think that was 2010, I want to say. Um, so you had teams in the Western conference who were finishing maybe just outside of their playoff cutoff in the West, but had a lot more points than teams in the East. So the league rewarded them and put them in. So there was about a 10 year period where that was the norm in MLS. The current format, however, where you got seven teams from each conference was just introduced in 2019. And they're already making changes to that because in 2023, the top eight teams in each conference are going to qualify for the playoffs. The top seeded team is going to host the eighth seeded team uh, directly in, 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 in the conference quarterfinals. So, uh, so we're going to kind of get back to that one V eight, no more buys, things of that nature. So I wonder if that's part of the Apple TV deal. 
if they said if we're going if we're going to do this if we're going to pay you essentially an expansion team's fee over the next 10 years we need to have more playoff games we need to have more action to televise so now they're they're adding that eighth playoff team to each conference and there are no more buys starting next season so very interesting the way that the playoff formats have have evolved over the years for MLS we kind of mentioned tie-breaking procedures earlier. Um, it is not goal differential. That is the first tiebreaker. It is wins. So the mo team with the most wins gets the first tiebreaker. Goal differential is second. And then the third tiebreaker is total goals scored. Now, if that's still not enough, we'll, we'll run down the nine different tiebreakers that MLS has put in place. So it's wins, goal differential, goal scored, fewer disciplinary points. Discipline comes into play. And I know John Donovan's always been harping on Chicago Fire for having terrible discipline this season. So if they're ever in a, a long tiebreaker scenario, they need to fix that. Then the fifth tiebreaker, away goal differential, then away goal scored, home goal differential, home goal scored. And if despite those first eight tiebreakers, there are still teams tied, it's a coin toss if it's between two clubs. And if it's three clubs... They're drawing lots, just names out of a hat. I pray it never gets down to a, a coin toss lot draw for a playoff spot, but it's there in case. Uh, and also speaking of formatting and tiebreakers, this year, 50% of the teams, so 14 teams, 50% of the teams make the playoffs, which is the least percentage of teams making the playoffs in league history. So it has become more exclusive as the years have gone on. Uh, we got a lot of great chat going on with uh, about TFC, and he says he wishes all the guys here luck. This is our, our good friend Jay Jardim. I wish all the guys here luck in the playoffs, NYCFC, Red Bulls, Columbus, and all the others who are in or get in. No luck to the other Canadian teams. Spoken like a true TFC fan. I'm sure Mike's going to love you for that. And, uh, you know, he says Bob has a ton of pressure on him next year. Definitely. And Bob's getting up to the end of his coaching career. So I, I wonder if if this is going to be his last stop in his coaching career, he might retire after this TFC thing and maybe move into an office position somewhere or just, you know, go retire, maybe move back to New Jersey. Who knows? Unless he likes LA. Uh, but this, this could be it. And I'm sure he is going to improve things, uh, but will he get them back to trophy contention is the major question. Now getting back to some of our playoff talk here, if you want to, here's a little bit more trivia about the playoffs. The New York Red Bulls franchise, you know, going back Metro Stars to Red Bulls, have the most playoff appearances of any team. They're at 22. And when they make the playoffs this year, they will have the longest active streak with 13. Seattle had the longest active streak with 13 until this season when they were just eliminated. And assuming FC Cincinnati makes the playoffs this year, that means every MLS team has made the playoffs at least one time in their history. Again, jury's still out with FC Cincinnati. They got a couple more games that they got to play and, and lock it down. But it's pretty impressive that every team has made the playoffs in 25 years, FC Cincinnati to be determined. Also, 55 playoff games have gone to shootouts. The longest shootout in playoff history was a 2015 knockout round game between Kansas City and Portland, an 11-round playoff shootout right 11 round penalty shootout kansas city ended up winning that one seven to six i vaguely vaguely remember that 
because it was 11 rounds. You had even the goalkeepers coming up and taking PKs, right? Now, we want to take a look at some more playoff records by player now. 40 players in MLS history have won the MLS Cup multiple times. Brian Mullen, M-U-L-L-A-N, the only player to have won the MLS Cup with four teams, Galaxy, Quakes, Dynamo, and Rapids, doing it all in the Western Conference. Uh, There are four players who have won the MLS Cup on three teams, Craig Weibel, Alejandro Moreno, Ezra Hendrickson, and Darlington Nagby, Nagby being the most recent. Uh, players with the most MLS Cups. Here we go. Landon Donovan has six. He's got the most. I think most people, if they didn't know that, would have guessed his name. You've got Jeff Agus, Ted Donovan, and Brian Milan with uh, Mullen with five. Jaime Moreno, Craig Weibel, Dwayne DiRosario, Eddie Robinson, and Josh Saunders uh, with four, and a number of players with three. Now a little bit more playoff trivia, individual style here. Who has the most goals in MLS Cup playoff history? None other than Landon Donovan. Yep, he's got 25 goals in MLS Cup playoffs. Second place, Carlos Ruiz with 16. Roy Lasseter still sitting in third place. He hung the boots up back in 02. He has 13 goals. And then rounding out the top 10 list, Jaime Moreno, Ante Razov, Brian McBride, Preki, Taylor Twelman. Josie Altador, Will Bruin, Robbie Keane, Raul Ruiz Diaz, and Bradley Wright Phillips. Right now, the only one with the opportunity to move up that list, Will Bruin, can jump up a couple spots if he bags a couple goals, right? So, hey, here we go. We've got the Super Chat train rolling, and we want to give a big thanks to Talk NYCFC sending out Super Chat vibes to curse the Red Bulls next year. Wow, we are taking levels of petty to a whole new level, and I'm here for it. Sign me up. Talk NYCFC gets the super chat in to curse the Red Bulls and hopefully give a little bit more mojo to his citizens, to his boys in blue, and keep New York City blue from an MLS sense, of course. And Talk NYCFC, thank you. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate not only your chats here in the show, not only your super chats, but again, reaching out to us on Twitter, sending us info, keeping us up to date on all things NYCFC, man. We really do appreciate it. If, if, and if you want to drop your channel's uh, contact information in the chat here or in a comment, you know, after the video has has aired and posted on YouTube, we really appreciate it, man. And, and we'd love for people to be able to find you and talk a little bit more, uh, talk a little bit more NYCFC with you. Uh, but they are exciting to watch. I wonder if they're going to have any other big sales like Tati was this summer, and they're going to have to reshuffle again. But it, it has been fun to watch them. It's great to see their talent. Is Eber going to be the guy this postseason? Who Who is your pick to be the guy this postseason? And, um, yeah, we'll see which one of the of the Red Bull players that, that your hex falls on especially. Uh, so Red Bull fans out there, we, we need you to, to get a super chat in uh, before next season starts to counteract some of this juju here. So talk NYCFC, also known as DSO and, and on prior handles. Thank you so much for reaching out, for supporting us. And, and again, like I said, it's not just me talking to a brick wall. We got some great chat going on here, people. A little bit more trivia talking MLS Cup specifically, if we're looking at teams here. 
And again, MLS wants parity. They are a league that wants parity. They want to keep it sustainable. They want to keep fans, owners, players engaged, and everyone with a chance to, to do well. So because of that parity of the 28 teams in MLS right now, uh, 14 teams have won MLS Cup. 14. So half the teams in the league have an MLS Cup. And there are others who have supporter shields and U.S. Open Cups as well. So the teams have a lot of opportunities to play well, and they've taken advantage of it. So 14 teams have won the Cup. 17 teams have played for the Cup. So who are the three teams that have played for but not won the MLS Cup? Two in the Eastern Conference, one in the Western Conference, uh, the one team known as the Buffalo Bills of MLS Cups. The New England Revolution had appeared in three, I think three straight MLS Cups without a victory. FC Dallas is the second of three, and Red Bull New York went to one uh, MLS Cup and did not come away with the trophy. So those are your three teams that have appeared in the final but have not won it. Who's got the most MLS Cups? LA Galaxy have five. DC, I believe, has four. They're the next most decorated MLS Cup team. Meanwhile, the New England Revolution have five MLS Cup losses. So there is all of your trivia. There is all of your chat for this evening. We are coming up to an hour here. So I'm going to sign off and say goodnight. But I just want to thank everyone who's been in the chat tonight. A special thanks to... Uh, Ramon Poblano for keeping up with us in LAFC and sending us his pictures and super chats in the past to, to Jason Jardim. Jay, thank you for your super chats and all just your, uh, I'll say your spot on and, and blunt takes about TFC uh, as well as other Canadian teams who you don't favor as much. Uh, also talk NYCFC. Thank you for the super chat for making a donation to us. Really do appreciate it. And for all your support, of our channel and and just a big thanks to for everyone else who jumped in dan Geringer, brother bkl red bull insider connor knows soccer uh angus mccorder if you're out there man we're still thinking about you waiting for you to jump on in hani mukhtar's edits thank you to everyone who's jumped in as well as a great big thanks to john donovan skira icelandic spring water our sponsors who've been with us since since the first season we've been doing this show so we wouldn't be here if it weren't for him for that company all of you in the chat, for our listeners who keep downloading and liking and subscribing, it means a lot that we can continue to grow the sport through conversation. Um, real quick, there's no post-credits scene tonight. Uh, so if you've been missing my post-credits scene, go back to the last like seven or eight episodes. I've been showing off some MLS memorabilia from my collection, jerseys, scarves, a couple other random things that I've collected uh, if you want to hear me tell a story about an ex-girlfriend, then go back to last week's post-credit scene. Take a little dive into, into my college history. But anyway, with that, I'm just going to, again, say thank you to everyone. Again, here's Ramon and his boys, his supporters of LAFC. We'll get them third time's a charm. Get them in there for this, and we will sign off. Everyone have a great night and a great week of watching MLS Decision Day Soccer. Thank you.